0: Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host,
1: Chad Young. Hello, and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young, filling in today for Daniel Port. Diving into the news, the big news of the day. The Mets made moves we expected them to make Monday, activating both Max Scherzer and Tyler McGill off the IL. Scherzer came back in time for a fun ace versus ace showdown with Corbin Burns, and he certainly did his part to make it special. Scherzer was perfect through six with nine strikeouts. He was pulled at 68 pitches just back from the IL and working his way back, so obviously not quite ready to go deep into the game, but ready for the stretch run for sure. Just an incredibly impressive start to get his 200th career win. McGill, meanwhile, will be used out of the pen the rest of the way. Got an inning on Monday, giving up two runs and two hits. I don't think McGill will have much value as a reliever, but I do think he'll generally get good rates despite the poor outing on Monday. Miguel Cabrera back as the DH for the Tigers, hitting cleanup. Cody Clemens was optioned to make room. Miggy, obviously not the bat he once was, but still always good to see him in the lineup and playing. The Tigers did put up 11 on Monday against the Orioles. And Cabrera played a nice role in that going two for four with a run and an RBI. He does not have much power anymore, but he does manage to get some hits here and there. Just not a lot of fantasy value there. Bryce Elder back with Atlanta, but will be used out of the pen this go-around. That's going to limit his fantasy value. He was not used in the game on Monday. Giants activated Austin Slater, but with a right-handed pitcher for Colorado, he was on the bench on Monday. He's a great player fantasy piece if you can platoon him. He crushes lefties but doesn't really play against righties. He should be back in the lineup today as Kyle Freeland, a lefty, is on the mound for the Rockies. Slater did come in as a pinch runner and score a run on Monday. The Marlins placed Trevor Rogers on the 15-day IL with his lat injury from his last start. That is going to be the end of a pretty uninspiring season for Rogers. He spent most of August in AAA and has pitched well since he returned. We know what his upside is, and I suspect I'll be paying more than the market for him in drafts next year. I'm seeing a lot of speculation that Braxton Garrett will step back into the MLB rotation and replace Rogers this year. That would make a ton of sense. Garrett would get the Nats next. And that's a nice option if you're looking for innings. Tyler Anderson, Aaron Ashby, and Aaron Savali will all be activated from the IL today and back on the mound for their respective teams. Anderson gets the D-backs in the second game of a doubleheader. It's a really nice fantasy play for you. Aaron Ashby gets the Mets, and I would stay away from that. He really has been up and down, and the talent is there, but he hasn't really performed the way we'd hope, and the Mets are just a tough matchup. Aaron Savali facing the resurgent White Sox in Chicago. I'm not super excited about that either, but I like it more than Ashby if you need innings. Another starting pitcher returning soon won't be rejoining the rotation. That's Keegan Thompson. He should be back with the Cubs to get some more innings, but he'll be doing it out of the pen. In redraft, that likely means he doesn't have much value. In keeper leagues, if you can stash him, I do like that idea. Sonny Gray lasted just two innings before being pulled with hamstring tightness. His velocity was down almost two miles per hour versus his norms, and he wasn't very good, giving up four runs on five hits and a walk with one strikeout. If he's not placed on the IL, I'd assume this is just a one-time thing, and hopefully he'll be better next time. If he is placed on the IL, I mean, that's sort of it. His season is over. Finally, some late-breaking news from St. Louis, where Nolan Gorman was optioned by the Cardinals. Juan Yepes recalled. Gorman started off really well and just has struggled of late. Honestly, I didn't even realize how bad it had been until I saw the demotion and started to look into it. Since the start of September, he has a 52 WRC+, plus with a strikeout rate of 46%. 0.9%. .9%. That just won't fly and it certainly explains why the Cardinals decided now was the time to send him back to AAA to get a little more seasoning. I presume he's going to try to work on that strikeout rate. It's going to be interesting to see if he's on the playoff roster or how they plan to use him in the future. But from a fantasy perspective, the big question is what's his value going to be next year? That probably depends a little bit on how he performs, is he able to bring that strikeout rate down and on what his role is. We would assume he'll be back in the lineup for next year, but I don't know that that's necessarily a given. Meanwhile, Yepa is making his return. He played pretty regularly through mid-July. and But he's had only one plate appearance since the All-Star break. That was on August 26th. During his time in AAA... He's been just continuing to crush the ball. He is a 392 Woba in AAA this year. That's a 137 WRC plus for that league. And he is a good, strong bat who could have a real impact, but it remains to be seen what his role will be. So keep an eye on Cardinals lineups. If he's being used, I think he's an interesting fantasy play, but I don't expect him to get regular plate appearances the rest of the way. On to the game action. Josh Naylor got the first big hit of the day Monday, demolishing a three-run home run, and then reached base three more times, finishing two for three with a walk, a hit-by-pitch, and a double in addition to that home run. Naylor has a unique combination of contact ability and power, but doesn't always elevate the ball well enough to tap into that power. He's been cold for a while, but if he's able to elevate like he did today, he could have a huge last couple of weeks. His teammate, Ahmed Rosario, also had a three-run home run and added two stolen bases as well. He's been scorching hot lately, and while it won't last forever, he's worth adding to ride that streak. Rosario wasn't the only guy to homer and steal two bags on Monday. John Birdie did it as well. Birdie went on that insane base-stealing binge earlier this year, but has had just three stolen bases since August 17th, coming into play Monday. With him getting two in a single day and knowing there was really no reason for him not to run, I'd be on the lookout to see if he can go on another tear like he did earlier. That home run, though... Not going to be a lot of those. Pete Alonso didn't quite match those two, but he did have a combo meal. He made that happen with what was just his fifth stolen base of the year. He drove in three and scored two. Alonso drafted as a top three to four first baseman and has been just that. A bunch of Mariners had big games, but Carlos Santana with two home runs and five RBIs was the biggest. Santana's line overall doesn't look that good, but he is crushing lefties, and that's where his value comes from if you can use him just that side of the plate. Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green both had a pair of doubles. Green has had a great last 30 days, while Tork has been much better. Not great, but very good, since he was recalled. You can start to see the future for the Tigers, and both of these guys are still going to have very good careers. Joey Gallo, 2-for-3 with a walk, a strikeout, and a home run. Just a reminder that despite his rough year, he can put up some nice power numbers down the stretch, and there are worse bets you can make if you're desperate for home runs. Speaking of home runs, all the home runs around the game on Monday— Luke Maley hit his third, Nick Gordon his ninth, Ty France got to 20, Jose Altuve hit his 25th, Christopher Morrell his 14th, Brian De La Cruz his 10th, Charles LeBlanc his 4th, Austin Riley his 37th, Eddie Rosario his 5th, Rowdy Telez got to 32, Mike Gostrumski hit his 13th, Tyro Estrada his 14th, and Chris Taylor got to double figures with number 10. As for stolen bases, a few more of those as well. Gabriel Celestino stole his third, Jose Ramirez his 17th, Miles Straw his 18th, Jose Siri swiped his 14th, Joy Manessas got his first, Michael Toglia got his first, and Michael Harris stole number 17. Turning our attention to the mound, Logan Gilbert absolutely dominated the Angels Monday. Six innings of one-run, four-hit ball, walked one, and struck out 11. Gilbert has now given up two earned runs in his last 23 innings with 34 strikeouts and just five walks. He is back to performing the way he did when he was AL Pitcher of the Month in April. Keep him locked in your rotation. Luis Garcia took a step back this year, mostly off home runs, but shut out the Rays over five Monday, giving up just two hits. The four walks versus 4Ks, not great, though he did get a nice increase in velocity, which should really help. With Baltimore next, I think you can bet on him. Moving forward, I would expect more of a high 3s or low 4s ERA than what we got in 2021. Whether or not you think Tyler Alexander pitched well comes down to what numbers you care about. Tigers are plenty happy with 7 shutout innings, just 2 hits and 2 walks, even if he only had 4 strikeouts. But if you're thinking about the future, the 5 whiffs and 22% CSW are not that enticing. It was a great start, but this isn't something you want to rely on happening again. Kyle Wright held the Nationals to two runs in six innings, but eight hits and a walk, struck out seven. So you get a win, as 19th, and a quality start, plus Ks and a nice ERA. And you'll eat that whip for that, right? Clayton Kershaw continues to be one of the best in the game. Six innings and one run ball, gave up six hits, didn't walk a hitter, and struck out 10. Got his ninth win. Health has been an issue lately, but when he is on, he is on. Merrill Kelly has had a great year, but the Dodgers are still the Dodgers. Got to him for five runs and eight hits and a couple walks over six. He struck out seven, but that doesn't make up for the rest. Hopefully you had him on your bench. The Giants are up next, though, and I still like that matchup for him. Corbin Burns faced with Scherzer, and he struggled Monday, giving up five runs on seven hits and a walk with just four strikeouts over five and two thirds. Tough matchup for him against the Mets, and I have no qualms about him next time at Cincinnati. Drew Rasmussen didn't pitch poorly exactly, but the Astros were a tough out, and he just didn't have enough. Six innings, but gave up four runs on six hits and a walk with just three strikeouts. He gets Toronto next, then a rematch with Houston to follow. I still generally feel good about using him. I think he's an extremely good pitcher, but those are less than ideal matchups to close out his year. I thought Jose Suarez might be a good stream against a scuffling Seattle team, but they found their bats and tagged him for 5 runs and 7 hits in 5 innings. Suarez struck out 4 and walked 1. Ugly start for him and he gets Minnesota next, which isn't a super easy matchup, so little risky. I'd probably sit that one out. Wade Miley was a popular streaming option this week. He had two starts, both against pretty bad offenses, but the first of those starts came and went, and it went really, really sideways. Seven runs on seven hits and two walks over just three innings. The one saving grace was that four of the seven runs were unearned. That's still not a good start. Using Miley is playing with fire. Pittsburgh is the second half of those two starts, and if you want to use him with that, I, I get it. But, well, you've seen the downside. Edward Cabrera's ERA hasn't matched his performance so far this year. He's gotten away with some walk and homer issues, and Monday he didn't really get away with it. Three walks and three hits, including a home run, that led to three runs over five innings, and honestly, it could have been a little worse. He did strike out four, but Cabrera is more talent than performance at this point, despite the 2.91 ERA. Just be aware of that if you're planning to use him. I still think he's a good pitcher, but he's not nearly as good as those surface numbers look. In the bullpens, the Twins-Guardians game gave us one closer melting down in a non-save situation and a non-closer pitching in a sort of save situation. Jorge Lopez got lit up for four runs on four hits and two walks over two-thirds of an inning. I've been pessimistic about Lopez keeping up the pace from his first half, and while that's not actionable right now, you're not going to drop him or anything like that, I will be low on him going into the 2023 season. Meanwhile, Sam has retired 7 straight to end the game and earned his first save for the Guardians. Struck out 2 in the process. He came out in the 7th, but between his effectiveness, the Guardians blowing the game wide open, and his team's need to rest their pen, he just closed it out. Hunter Brown now in the Astros pen and made his first relief appearance Monday, going 3 innings with 3 strikeouts, a walk, and 2 hits. Did not allow a run. He should get semi-regular multi-inning outings, and if you can predict when they will happen, you can definitely use him for effective innings and maybe some holds. Kenley Jansen closed things out for Atlanta with a perfect one-strikeout inning. That was his 35th save. Scott Alexander got his second save, taking the 10th in Coors after a back-and-forth affair. Camilo Duvall had already pitched the 9th for the Giants. He kept the game tied and forced extras, gave him his 6th win after Alexander closed things down. Craig Kimbrell came on up 4 and gave up a run, but you can't create your own save situation so just a meh inning, one run, one hit, no strikeouts, but he did finish things off. With that, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about everything going on on Tuesday.
0: Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff, plus you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com plus, backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code
1: Alright, welcome back. Before we get into some of my picks for the day, let's take a look at the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. Well, looking at today's weather map, we continue to be rather quiet with no issues with rain anywhere on the map. So, really good for news for DFS players and season-long people who are
0: in their playoffs alike. So, good luck in playing everyone you got. Thank you very much, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: All right. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for streaming options, there's really just one game I'm looking at. That's Baltimore and Detroit. Joey Wentz and Austin Voth are going head to head. And I like both of them in this one. It's in Baltimore where it's no longer so easy to hit. Neither of those offenses is great. Wentz has looked very good his last couple starts. Voth has put together some good starts this year. I think they're both worth a shot. As for where I'm looking at hitters. We talked yesterday about how Luis Ranjifo has been crushing lefties. He gets one today, Cole Reagans of Texas. I would definitely have Ranjifo in my lineup if he's on my roster. I'd also bet on some Royals, Vinny Pascantino, Salvador Perez, and others. I don't think Dylan Bundy is going to pitch particularly well, and that bullpen for Minnesota is just on fumes right now. Even when Bundy does pitch well, he tends to only go four or five innings, so the second half of that game should provide some hitting opportunities for the Royals. With that, I'm sure you're expecting me to turn you over to the rest of the first pitch crew as I'm usually only around for the weekends, but I'll be back with you tomorrow, so one more day with me. Hope you have a good one. We'll talk to you in the morning.